1: Well, we stumbled across Daxon during a completely different investigation into malware. When we did, when we dug into it, we uncovered a lot, lot, lot more. That's Vikram Thacker. He's a
0: technical director with Symantec's Threat Hunter team. The research we're discussing today is titled Daxon Stealthy Backdoor Designed for Attacks Against Hardened Networks. To learn why enterprises choose SixthSense, Sense, visit SixthSense.com. Well, let's walk through the story together. I mean, you, you all are out there doing, uh, as you say, some, some other work, and you happen upon this.
1: Uh, what happened next? So the first thing we did was to take a look at the suspicious activity that was happening on a computer. Now think of this as your computer doing everything that you intended to do and then some. So we looked at the component that was causing this little extra bit of communication. And so when Mm -hmm. we looked into it, at first sight, it was extremely difficult to even understand what it's doing because as different pieces of malware or viruses or worms they go about, this piece of malware was designed in a way where it was extremely obfuscated. So it's, although, it's as though the author of this malware took extreme measures to ensure that any researcher uh, or even when this malware was, caught, was in the hands of somebody else, um, they wouldn't be able to understand what it was truly meant to do. So it took us a long time to to be able to what we call analyze, which essentially means that we take a file and then we tear it apart and then try to understand what it was truly meant to do and what uh, features or what capabilities it has. And that took us, uh, in this particular case, more than a few weeks. Let's leave it at that.
0: Mm. Now, was it the, the file that you discovered first or
1: was it the activity? Which, which led to which? Uh, so we discovered the activity first, and then when we looked a little closer to understand where the, uh, the activity was being orchestrated from, and this usually is uh, one file or a set of files on somebody's computer, uh, in this particular instance, we stumbled across one specific file uh, which was playing that role of uh, generating this extra activity on that computer. And what did that activity look like? So before I get into what this activity looks like, I'll give a little bit of uh, uh, background. What normally happens is whenever a foreign or a uh, unauthorized piece of a, a file or a, a executable or an application gets onto somebody's computer, it tends to be a little noisy. Like So it opens up the computer to more things. It starts looking for uh, files on your computer. It might look for credit cards stored on different computers. So there's a bit of... Think of it as noise which is being generated in the computer world. Daxon, or what we noticed in this particular case, was while there's suspicious activity, Daxon was trying to hide every single thing that it was doing under the umbrella of some existing legitimate. Application within the computer. So if somebody just looked at the computer uh, with an untrained eye, they would not be able to even spot Daxon's existence because everything would be looking normal. Like, hey, there's communication happening through Chrome or Internet Explorer or Edge or Slack or something. And nobody would be able to see that, hey, there is something happening in addition to what these legitimate applications are doing. So in our particular case, we were able to spot it because, well, we've been in the business for a little while. Mm. And um, that is where we we noticed that Daxon was trying to add its behavior under the umbrella of an existing application or legitimate application within uh, the Windows environment. And how was it doing
0: that? What was it trying to piggyback onto?
1: So that's really interesting. So while we were able to see that there was some activity going on, we were not able to so-called capture it so that we can uh, look at it later. Uh, What we eventually landed up with is we just had this, this one file which we today call Daxon. And uh, our aim at that point was to understand what is Daxon's capabilities. Because we'd already seen that,, you know, it was doing some stuff, but we did not capture it or we didn't we weren't able to contain it, so we weren't able to look at that in the lab by ourselves. And from a capability standpoint, what we noticed was DaxON as a piece of malware was designed with one and only one sole intention, which is stay under the radar of any security software, stay under the radar of anybody ever noticing and do whatever it needs to do under the guise of an existing application so that nobody ever notices that it even exists. So hmm. that was the the ulterior motive. And it was pretty apparent in our, in our subsequent findings, which is when we look at Daxon, Daxon has been coded in a manner where it, uh, it remains extremely stealth so that it can, it can be used in extremely long cyber campaigns against entities. So when I say long, I'm talking months, if not years long. So that just means that Daxon was intended to be deployed against targets or cyber targets where uh, it could be deployed and then it could be used for espionage purposes over an extremely long period of time rather than just steal some information across a, a couple of days or a week.
0: And so what is the, the spectrum of functionality that it had? What, what sort of capabilities were there?
1: So um, as an example... Daxson, uh plays what we call man in the middle. So it essentially means that if your computer has any degree of communication which is, happen- with, which is happening with some legitimate service. So think of it as uh, people opening up their their browsers and going over to a mail portal and logging in. So at that stage, their computer is talking to a computer owned by another entity, whether it's Google, Microsoft, somebody else out there. Daxon has the ability to intercept every single piece of that communication going out of your computer and coming back into your computer. So Daxon is examining every single packet which is going out and in, examining it, looking at it and saying, and and making a determination of whether it is of any value to Daxon's operators. And if it is, then it's taking action, uh, or it would do things like, um, "Hey, I'm just going to send this email over to my masters," or, "Hey, I'm just going to steal these uh, this little piece of information, send it over to my master." So, so that is one capability of Daxin, and that's mm. that's one of its primary ones. There are a few others just like this, which were meant to um, be able to hijack networks where. Not every computer within the network communicates with the Internet. So it's, it has that ability also.
0: And as you mentioned, it's very careful in what it does. So am I correct that when it reaches out to uh, its, uh, its commanders, if you will, that um, it's doing so in a very
1: stealthy way? It is. So uh, I took the example of somebody using a web browser and going over to a a webmail portal. So let's take for example that somewhere in there uh, Daxon comes across a piece of information that it needs to send over to its masters. It would do it using the existing same channels. It would send that information out from the person's computer under the umbrella of using uh, the web browser. So To the untrained eye, it would look like the web browser is just sending some information or some packets over to some server, whether it's in Norway or Sweden or China or Germany, it doesn't really matter. And so when it does it using the exact same protocol or the same technique as a web browser would normally use, the chances of somebody noticing that, hey, some information has gone to the wrong commander or the wrong server is extremely low. And that's what Daxon makes use of. Do you have any
0: uh, guesses as to how the uh, the computer
1: initially got infected here? So uh, we looked at a few dozen cases over the past decade, and there is no one way that the attackers were able to get onto the computers. In some cases, they were able to leverage weaknesses in, let's say, exchange servers. And just because it's public information, um and these the, i mean the the security vulnerabilities are public information these computers were not patched to the latest and greatest available versions uh the attackers just made use of the existing public knowledge to be able to get daxon onto these computers now we know that is not the only way that they got on but there's no single way they just they pretty much used anything at their disposal um, and customized it to different environments and then got on
0: and Daxon has some history here. I mean this was yours was not the first discovery
1: of it. So we discovered Daxon as the first people to discover it, but there is some history like you pointed out. When we started looking at Daxon, uh, we obviously looked around to see if any of the other security vendors or researchers out there had mentioned anything of this sort, and the answer hmm. came back as no. And so nobody had, hmm. but We have an ability to go back and retroactively look at uh, events that have come across our radar in the past to see if Daxon has been around. And so we go back and we can see that, okay, well, for the last five years, every year, we see about two or three victims or at least targets, but uh, it stops out there. So we expanded our search by saying, okay, instead of just looking for Daxon, can we look for parts of Daxon? Can we find parts of code that may have existed prior to that five-year mark? And it did. It actually goes back all the way to 2009. So hmm. when we look at it 2009, we stumbled across a blog that Microsoft had posted back in 2012, just 10 years ago, about a piece of malware... Uh, that they called X4L. that was just a completely different name. and when we compared X4L to Daxon, we realized that X4L was a, a previous incarnation of what we were looking at as Daxon. So that's mm-hmm. how um, you know we made that connection. Now X4L, um, there was a blog written about it by Microsoft, but it doesn't exist uh, as of today. like I think they deleted it somewhere along the way uh, for reasons unknown. Um, also, there is a mention of the word "X4L" uh, in a very tenuous manner on uh, related to the shadow brokers' leaks. So, but hmm. but that goes another degree of separation, actually. So.
0: Well, in terms of of who we might think is behind this, what was your uh, what was your thoughts
1: there? So, based on two or maybe three factors, we uh, we said with very high confidence that this. This piece of malware, Daxon, was authored and uh, most likely operated also by a group operating out of China. Now, we don't know uh, what specific group they are, but during the course of the research, we were able to find at least one primary author of Daxon. And even though we don't make uh, that person or that entity's name public, uh, we are aware of uh, this person's hand in developing Daxon over the years.
0: So in terms of of mitigation here, how do you recommend organizations protect themselves against this sort of thing?
1: So it's extremely hard to be able to uh, put a trained eye upon every single computer out there. So uh, in terms of mitigation, all I would advise large organizations and especially organizations that have a... Uh, a role to play in geopolitics, a role to play in government function, to take stock of uh, different files on their computer, see if uh, audit their PowerShell logs, audit uh, ACLs or permission logs, which keep track of uh, whether a, a particular asset on a computer, like think of it as a file, has been given permission to uh, by to some unauthorized person. So generally it would be a lot of good hygiene, good auditing um, uh, recommendations from our side. Like, you know, I can't say, hey, if you were to take these particular three steps, uh, you will be in the clear because Daxon is clearly designed to evade uh, and fly under the radar as far as it really can.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it really seems to me like this is one of those examples where uh, you really have to have uh, defense in depth, right? I mean, when something is is trying to be as stealthy as this is, and, and seems to be effective at it, I mean, even in this case, it was it was a bit of luck that you all came across this from the outset.
1: I, I think you're right. I think um, you know we definitely just got a little lucky and stumbled across it. Uh, but uh, that's reflective of the fact that this has existed since 2009 and nobody's been able to discover it since. I mean, it goes to show that you know the author and the operators were very successful uh, in both being able to use it as well as uh, keep it away from any public mention or discovery for an extremely long period of time. So that's why in our eyes, we believe that Daxin. Uh, was designed uh, and used strictly for uh, espionage purposes against uh, geopolitically sensitive or relevant organizations rather than uh, what we commonly see Chinese actors performing uh, which is intellectual property theft so daxon does none of that and all the targets that we've seen till date have an extremely sensitive Uh, geopolitical stance.
0: Our thanks to Vikram Thacker from Symantec's Threat Hunter team for joining us. The research is titled Daxin, Stealthy Backdoor Designed for Attacks Against Hardened Networks. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Visit NETSKOPE.com. The Cyberwire Podcast is proudly produced in Maryland at the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Liz Irvin, Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Brandon Karp, Eliana White, Peru Prakash, Justin Sabi, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next week.